0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When we pray, who is actually able to hear our prayers? Perhaps we should start off with the most obvious answer to that question, that we ourselves can hear our prayers. Well, it's usually, anyways we can almost always hear the words that we're speaking, of course. And we almost always consciously know what we're praying for, even if we're doing it silently. Although, admittedly, there are those times when our need is so intense or our desire or our struggle is so intense that we don't even know the words that we want to come up with. And in those times, the Spirit is gracious enough to intercede on our behalf and to interpret our groanings and bring our cares and desires and needs to our Father in Heaven. But generally speaking, we in fact can know what we ourselves are praying for. Alright, well, what about the spirits? And specifically, I'm talking about angels and demons. Can they hear our prayer? Well, we see nowhere in Scripture that it ever seems to imply that angels and demons can actually hear our own thoughts, which means that those prayers that we say silently, the spirits aren't privy to. However, at the same time, we do most certainly recognize that angels and demons can hear the words that come out of your mouth. You can speak to angels and demons and they can understand what you're saying. And so any prayer that you say out loud can be heard. By any angels and demons who happen to be in the present. Who happen to be around. And don't take that to be me trying to say that we should always pray silently. As if we somehow need to always keep our prayers secret from the angels and the demons. In fact there's perhaps great power in praying out loud. If you are being confronted by a demon. So we've dealt with ourselves. We've dealt with Spirits, well what about nature? Can nature hear our prayers? Put it simply, no, they cannot. These bushes don't have ears to hear, they don't have a mind to be able to read our minds or anything like that. The birds, while they can sing, have no understanding whatsoever of the words that are coming out of our mouths. Even things that we can train, like dogs and things like that, they don't really know what those words mean. They just have associated with an action with the word that we speak. And so to put it simply, nature cannot hear your prayers. And of course, all this then comes back around to the one person, or perhaps I should say in this case, the three persons in one God who we do pray to. The one God who has promised to hear our prayers and promised to answer them, promised to never reject them. Listen again to our intro for today and hear about this God who answers prayer. With a voice of singing, declare this with a shout of joy to the end of the earth, Alleluia! The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob, Alleluia! Shout for joy to God all the earth, sing the glory of his name. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me with a voice of singing. Declare this with a shout of joy to the end of the earth. Alleluia. The Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Alleluia. Today we're going to be talking fairly extensively, fair warning, about prayer. About prayers and also about declarations. We're going to be talking about what do we declare to who, and about what we pray, and to who. We're going to start off with, what is it that we declare? What things do we speak into the world around us? And we're going to start specifically with, what things do we speak to our fellow man? Put it simply, we speak the truth to our fellow man. We speak the truth as found in our introit for today in that antiphon that the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And this truth then implies that his servant Jacob needed to be redeemed. In fact, it implies the truth that we all need to be redeemed. That we are all sinful and in need of that redemption which our Lord is offering us. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all actively gone against the will of our Lord, and we all have that corrupted nature inside of us, that old Adam inside of us that is always pushing us away from God, trying to break off our relationship with Him. The truth is that there is nothing that we can do about it that we cannot save ourselves from that sin. The truth is that we need to be saved, that we need to be redeemed. Thankfully, the truth is also that our Lord has done that, that our Lord has saved us, that our Lord has redeemed us. That is what our Lord accomplished when he died on the cross. The entire point of his sacrifice was to offer himself as payment for our sin in order to ensure that redemption was ours, that salvation was ours. And thankfully, in Christ, it is. We have been redeemed, just like Jacob has been redeemed. And because of that truth, because of the day that when our Lord rose from the dead and proved that we too would one day rise from the dead, we now can repent of our sin. We now can seek to do good. And in fact, we even can accomplish good works in the name of our Lord through the Spirit that is working within us. That is essentially, in a nutshell, what the entire Bible is all about. The entire Bible speaks to us, declares to us, the truth that we are sinners who have been saved and who are even now being made perfect in Christ. But at the same time there is of course much, much more and much deeper depths into it, although basically everything in there has to do with that in some way, shape, or form. And so essentially, when we are talking about what is the truth that we declare into the world, to put it simply, the truth is the word of God. The truth is the works that he has done. The truth is that he loves us. And that is what we ought to declare into the world around us, simply what has already been declared to us. But what about, what do we declare to our God? What sort of things do we state to our Lord? Well, the easiest thing, perhaps, is to state our thanksgiving, to declare our gratitude. Our Lord for all of those things that He has done for us, all those things that He has declared to us to be true, all of the works that He has accomplished in order to save us. We declare our thanks for those. But we also declare our worries. We state our troubles and our struggles to Him. Because we recognize that that he has not allowed his steadfast love to abandon us, that in fact he still loves us, even now, and that he wants to know what our struggles are. He wants to know what it is that we're dealing with, our worries and our concerns and our anxieties and our fears. He wants to know them. He wants us to tell him them in order that he might respond in order that he might answer your concerns. We also are free to state our desires to him. It's okay to tell God what you want. It's okay to go to him as a loving father and ask him for things, expecting that he will answer as a loving father, which is to say that he will give you the things that are good and that he will not give you the things that are bad, even if you ask for them. He has told us to do this, told us to come to him with our desires and our wants. But perhaps the hardest thing for us to come to him with is our questions. Our God wants us to come to him with our questions. He wants us to reach out to him when we're struggling with the deep questions of life. He wants us to go to Him when we run into something in the Bible that we're just not entirely sure how this works. It's okay to ask God the hard questions because God has the answers to those questions. He may not necessarily share those answers with you, but He's the one who knows. And whether He shares them with you or He doesn't share the answer with you, Either way, He does so for your benefit. He does so because He cares about you. But He wants you to bring those hard questions. Because He cares about you. And He doesn't want you to be left in confusion and in the dark. He will give you clarity to those. Even if the answer is simply, I'm not going to tell you. It's okay. That will help you in those struggles with those questions. So we've talked about the things that we declare to humans, and we've talked about the things that we declare to God, but what about the things that we declare to our enemies? What about the things that we declare to the devil and his demons? The things that we declare to those sinful men around us? And of course, the things that we declare to our own sinful man, what do we declare to them? Perhaps unsurprisingly, we declare the very same thing to our enemies that we declare to everyone else around us. We simply declare the truth, the truth that we are sinners, all of us are sinners. The truth that God has solved the problem of sin. The truth that Christ died on the cross for all men. Both ourselves but also the other sinful men who live around us as well. Which is to say that God cares about all men. And wants all men to be with Him in eternity. And of course we speak the truth the devil and his demons as well, that our Lord, when he died on that cross, won the victory. He accomplished the salvation that has been given to us, and nothing can separate us from that salvation. These are the things that we declare even to those who are our enemies. Literally the exact same things that we declare to those who we are speaking to every day. So those are the things that we declare. Now what about the things that we pray? Well let's start off with simply as I alluded to earlier, who do we pray to? We pray to the Father, we pray to the Son, we pray to the Spirit. Or perhaps maybe you've heard it this way, you pray to the Father. Through Jesus in the Spirit. Also perfectly acceptable. Though so it's perfectly fine to pray to Jesus or the Spirit as well. So then, as we are praying to God, what kind of things should we be praying for? What do we pray? Sort of boiling it all down, it really just comes down to this. we We pray that God follows through on the promises that He made us, and He has made us many, many promises. We pray that He is faithful to His word, that when He says He's going to do something, He actually does it. And so therefore when we come to our Lord in prayer, we can come to Him and we can speak those promises that He made to us. We can come to him and say, Lord, you have promised to give us our daily bread. We ask that you do so. This is good, right, and salutary. This is what he wants. He wants you to know the promises that he has made to you and to bring those promises to him expecting that he will fulfill them. Because he cares about you, and because he loves you, because he wants to, but perhaps to focus on one of those promises, we pray to God to deliver us from evil. And whether you want to talk about the evil of a global pandemic, or you want to talk about the evil of the devil and his demons, or if you want to talk about the very evil that is inside of us with our sin, we should approach our Lord and ask Him to deliver us from those things, because He has promised to do so. Perhaps not immediately, but He will follow through on His promise. He will follow through on His desires to save life instead of him. He will follow through on His promises to one day cast the devil and his demons into the lake of fire. Followed through on his promise to forgive you of your sin. And to continue forgiving you of your sin as you continue to repent of your sin. Perhaps the hardest thing, the hardest promise that we have to remind our Lord of, and really to remind ourselves of, of course, is His promise to follow through on His will. And therefore we pray to God to follow through on His will. And this is the hard one because we are praying that God follows through His will, not follows through our will. It's really easy for us to only pray for the things that we want, to only pray that God delivers us from evil, but to forget. Think about the truth that God already has a plan. That God already knows what we need and likely has already in the process of fulfilling what that need. It's hard for us to recognize that when we are praying to God and asking for things, He will not always answer us in the way that we desire Him to, in the way that we will Him to. Oftentimes He will answer according to His will because his will is better. And that's the part that we struggle with. It's hard for us to recognize that God actually knows better than we do. That God's will is actually more perfect, and in fact is perfect, whereas ours is not. Ours is imperfect. Ours is limited. And therefore, when we are asking God to fulfill His will, we're asking that against our will. Recognizing that He cares us and that He loves us and that His will is that we would be saved and cared for for all of eternity. These are the things that we ask of our Lord. We ask Him to fulfill His promises, especially to deliver us from evil, especially to follow through on His will, which we know is for our benefit. And so this is how we pray to our God. But what about, how do we not pray? What are some ways that we shouldn't pray or shouldn't declare things? Well, we'll start with how do we not pray to God? Perhaps the first step on this, the easiest step in many ways, is that we don't need to make deals with God. We don't need to try and approach him as if he were a banker or a a shopkeeper or something and, and try to get the best deal out of him for what we want. We don't need to do that. We don't have to do that. Our Lord is our Heavenly Father. He already cares for us more than we care for ourselves. He already knows exactly what we need and want. And so therefore we can approach him and simply ask. We don't have to try and buy things from him. We don't have to try and earn his favor. We don't have to make sacrifices in order to try and get rid of things or to get him to show favor on us. We can simply approach him as dear children approach their dear father, expecting him to give them everything that is good, because he will give them everything that is good. He will give us everything that is good. In a very similar manner, we don't approach our God and declare ultimatums. We don't approach our God and say, God, if you don't do this, then I'm going to insert whatever sinful request you have here. Because it is a sin to do something like that. That is you trying to enforce your will on God. It is in fact the opposite of praying, Thy will be done, when you try to make ultimatums like that to God. Again, we don't have to do that. There's no reason for us to do that. Our Lord cares for us, and our Lord's will is better than we could possibly imagine. His plans are are better than we could possibly imagine. It's good for us to bring our desires, it's good for us to bring our concerns and our questions to Him, but it is not good for us to try and force our will upon God. And that really is what comes down to how should we not pray to God? We shouldn't try to manipulate or coerce or cajole Him into doing our will instead of His, we ought not try and force our will on God. It is simply not the way that a Christian prays to their God. It's simply not the way that a child goes to their parents. And perhaps maybe one more thing that we shouldn't do when we are praying to God: we ought not. Test And again, the reason for this is really quite simple. We don't need to. We don't need God to prove that he loves us. We don't need God to prove that he has the power to do what he says he will do. He has already proven that to us. How much more proof do we need than to see how dearly our Lord cared for us, that he became man, that he walked around with us, That he taught us, that he died for us. How much more proof do you need that God loves you than that God died for you? And how much more proof do you need of the power that he has to fulfill his word than that that dead God then rose from the dead, proving that he has the power to raise us from the dead as well, proving that he has the power to follow through every single promise and word that he made in the Bible. We don't need to test God. He has already proven himself to us. So that's how we shouldn't pray to God and shouldn't declare to God, but what about, how should we not declare to the people? How should we not speak truth out to the people. And you'll see what I mean when I say that here in a second. The single most important thing is that we don't try to save other people. It is not our job to save others. It is not our job to die on a cross for the sake of humanity. That has already been done. All that we do is that we speak the truth to them. We tell them what God has already done to save them. We tell them the truth that their salvation is already theirs in faith. Which leads to the next thing that we don't do. We don't lie to people. How can people who are supposed to be speakers of the truth speak a lie and expect to be believed? The Eighth Commandment is a little bit important for this, but perhaps even more important is in fact the Second Commandment. that As speakers of God's truth, we cannot lie, because if we do, people will then believe that God is a liar, which we cannot allow to happen. We also can't just ignore. We can't just see people and not do anything. We can't just ignore the needs of those around us, ignore the need of the truth, especially for the people around us. Which means that we can't call something a truth that is a lie. We can't say that something is okay which God has said is not. We can't just pretend that everything's okay but it's not. We are called to care for those around us. We are called to speak the truth to those around us, which means that we cannot simply ignore them. The last thing, and this fits very well with the idea that we're not trying to save people, is that we don't try to manipulate people as well. We don't need to lower ourselves to tricks of manipulating people's emotions and desires and trying to sort of trick them into becoming Christian. And again, the reason is simple because we aren't the ones who actually do that. And neither are they. They are not the ones that save themselves. You cannot trick someone into saving themselves. You can't manipulate them into saving themselves. simply speak the very same truth, declare the very same truth that was declared to you and expect that God will do the very same thing for them that he has done for you. Which is to create faith inside of you, that you might believe in him and be saved. And so that's how we shouldn't declare things to other people. We should not try to save them or tricked them into being saved. We shouldn't try to lie to them and we certainly shouldn't ignore them. But what about the whole nature and spirits thing that we brought up before? What about them? Well, to put it simply, we should not either pray to them or expect them to be able to help us all that much. There's this idea out there that we can declare things to the spirits around us, or to nature around us, and expect that things will actually happen. And it simply isn't true. Because God simply has not given that authority to us. We cannot be like Jesus was out on the lake and speak to the wind and waves and expect them to be called. Nowhere has He given us that authority. We cannot simply go out into the world as he sent his apostles into the world with signs and wonders where they were able to cast out demons on their authority. That authority has not been given to us. And therefore we do not seek to try and use our own authority to manipulate and change the world around us even though sometimes we really want to. Whether it's because the wind is blowing the computer and making a shake back and forth for our poor live stream people. Or it's because the wind is being picked up in the mic and causing nice wonderful windy sounds in your guy's car. It'd be really nice if I could declare to the wind to stop that from happening. But I cannot. God has not given us that authority. And therefore we ought not to try and take that authority which he has not given us. So then, to summarize all of this, perhaps we simply just need to ask the question, how should we pray? And thankfully, the disciples in one of their most brilliant moments in the entire Bible actually asked that question. They asked Jesus, how should we pray? And Jesus, because he is gracious and merciful and awesome, gave us an answer and the power and the glory, forever and ever, Amen. Our Lord gave us the way that He should, pr- or that we should pray to Him. And I don't have time to dive deeply into every single bit of this because we'd be here for another hour or so, and you guys would all fall asleep in your cars, and people would start leaving the lecture. But very briefly, who do we pray to? Our Father, the man in our life who cares for us the most, or in this case the God in our life who cares for us the most. Our Father who is in heaven, all-powerful, seated on the throne of the universe, and who cares about you and has the power to take care of you. And when we pray to him, we ask him that he would be himself, that he would be God, that he would keep his name holy. That he would be the person who he has said he would be. We pray that though he is our Heavenly Father, that he would bring his kingdom down to us. As he is doing so even now. Bringing his kingdom, not ours, not this world's, but his. wherein we might be safe with him forever. We ask that his will be done, even here on earth as it is already done in heaven as we spoke about earlier in our sermon, recognizing that His will is good. We ask that He give us this day our daily bread, that He does what any father would do for their children, and that He would provide for us. We ask that He would forgive us our trespasses, just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That He would wipe away our guilt and our sin just as we offer forgiveness to those who ask us for it, just as Christ has forgiven us. We ask him to not lead us into temptation, to not bring us to the point of sin, but instead that he would give us the power to resist sin and temptation, give us the power to resist the evil that is around us. We ask him to deliver us from evil. We ask him to deliver us from the devil and his demons, from the sinful people around us, and even the very sin that is inside of ourselves. And we do all of this for the simple reason that his is the kingdom. The kingdom that we all want to be in. We ask him because he has the power to follow through on his word and his promises. And we ask Him because He has made it so that His glory is that He loves us. That His glory is that He came to die for us. We ask Him because His glory is that He actually hears our prayers and answers them. And that He redeems us. Put it simply, we are His glory. That we would be with him forever into eternity. And so as we pray and as we declare things to the world around us, we do so using the very words that he has given us. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.